0: My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zionstone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Traditionally, the week of Christmas sees a number of important commemorations in the church. The martyrdom of St. Stephen on the 26th, then there's the commemoration of St. John the Apostle on the 27th, and then the Feast of the Holy Innocents on the 28th, which we are commemorating this morning. This feast day is early, dating to sometime in between the 4th and 5th centuries, so circa 300 and 400 A.D., and you may be wondering why we are taking time to commemorate this, as this is a no, I mean, it's not a light reading. Let's be serious, right? But this is part of the story of Christmas, and we are still in Christmas tide, right? Christmas will end uh, on Epiphany when we get there on uh, January 6th, and this is part of the story of the coming of Christ into the world. And the scriptures do not give us a sanitized account of history, but shows us everything that's going on and Everything that God has come to save humanity from. <clears throat> so we heard in Jeremiah the reading about the weeping in Ramah, that, that Rachel is weeping, and we know who Rachel is. She's the beloved wife of, of Jacob, who God changed his name to Israel. We know the story. He wrestles with God, and he overcomes the, the man. The, he overcomes, right? The, the wrestler and God touches his thigh, and he walks with a limp for the rest of his life. And God changes his name to Israel, which means the one who wrestles with God. And we see throughout all scripture, right, this theme of wrestling with God, of people wrestling with God. Those who has, God has loved, those who God has called and chosen to be his people continually wrestle with him. And it's something that continues to happen throughout Israel's history until the advent of the church. And we know that the church is Israel. The church is not a replacement for Israel, but the church is renewed Israel. There's this idea, there's this word that people throw around it's called supersessionism, right? Which means that, um, that the church has superseded everything that has come before, but that's not the case. The church has not superseded Israel. The church is renewed Israel. Jews and Gentiles coming together Receiving salvation through Jesus Christ is the ongoing Israel, right? Not a nation state in the Middle East. The church is Israel renewed. And we see a personification here of Israel entire, right? And and Rachel, it says, is weeping for her lost children. And given what we heard in the rest of that reading, he gives us the context for what she's weeping for and the, remember the 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 work of jeremiah is happening during the the when the exile is happening right babylon is come and babylon has basically rolled in and is destroying everything and uh, is carrying away everybody to captivity and this is a very serious thing lots of loss of life Lots of fighting, lots of violence, lots of death. And so we see this personification of of Israel weeping, right? For these children who are lost, those who have been taken away into exile. Into exile. But there's this promise in that reading from Jeremiah that we heard of reward. And this promise of reward is that that these children who were lost, they will come back from the land of the enemy. That these lost children shall return home they will be brought back and when they are brought back there will be comfort there will be no more need to cry or to weep for the lost because they will be back together but we also heard in the reading from Matthew the application of that passage to what happened with the death of the children in Bethlehem Then what was fulfilled, what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah, what we just heard a few moments ago. And this is how prophecy in the scripture works, brothers and sisters. It's not just merely for a future time, but it also has a context into which it was spoken. And then it also, in the scriptures, will have a future application. And Jeremiah, like I said, that reading ends with this promise of reward that these lost children will come back from the land of the enemy and the children shall return home. Then we get this reading from Revelation with the descent of the city of the New Jerusalem. It says, adorned like a bride. And this image is very fresh in my mind because i i presided over a, a wedding on christmas eve and it was wonderful and we had a bride come down and her husband was right here and they were joined together in the sacrament of marriage and that image whenever i do a wedding is in my mind whenever i hear or think about these texts of the marriages that i've done in the past seeing the bride come down the aisle adorned right in white sometimes a veil sometimes without veil Church is decorated in different ways sometimes, or the venue is decorated in different ways. And the joy of that, right? It's a joyous occasion. It's a happy occasion. The new Jerusalem is coming down, adorned like a bride, glowing, shining. And then we get this interesting phrase that death shall be no more, that the dwelling place of God will be with mankind, right, with humanity, that God will wipe away all tears and all sorrow, that sorrow will not exist in the age to come. And for those of you like me who may have lost loved ones this year, this can be a comfort to us, right? It doesn't make the pain of that loss go away. It doesn't make the memory of that loss go away. But the sorrow that that we experience now will be something that is completely and totally healed in the age to come. Because we believe ultimately, brothers and sisters, that those of our loved ones who died in Christ, we will see them again. We will be reunited together with them again. As the new Jerusalem descends from heaven, it says, like a bride. So sorrow over the death of a family member or a wife or a husband or a parent or of a child. The sorrow that exists in our hearts now will no longer exist. The sorrow of injustice that we see perpetrated over the innocent. Evil that we see triumphing at times in the world. That sorrow will not exist in the age to come. Because death, it says, shall be no more. That mourning shall be no more. And we have to stop and think about this for a minute, brothers and sisters. This promise that death will be no more. Because this is what Christmas, this Christmas season, Advent Christmas, this is what this is all about. We just sang in that hymn a few moments ago. Right? I'm going to read the verse here. It says, uh, <clears throat> this flower whose fragrance tender with sweetness fills the air, dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. True man, yet very God, from sin and death he saves us, enlightens every load. That's the point of Christmas, right? It's not just that a special baby was born who then grew up and, and suffered and, and then just died, but this, that this child who was born is as this hymn tells us, is true man, yet very God, who will come to deliver us from sin and from death. That death will be completely unknown in the age to come. And this is hard for our minds to comprehend because we have no frame of reference, no point of this, nothing analogous we could point to as an example. But death itself, will be totally and utterly destroyed. And the sorrow that death brings with it will be totally and utterly destroyed. Mourning shall be no more. And this is not something we get now, brothers and sisters. This is not something that we have received fully. Right? The scriptures talk about us receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit as our guarantee of this life and the age to come. And I do believe, though, that God can bring comfort, that God can bring joy, that God can bring a sense of his presence and of love to those who are hurting and are wounded in spirit. And then we see in the Gospel, according to St. Matthew, Joseph warned to take his family and flee to Egypt. Not just flee, but he says to remain there. Like, get out of here now, and when you get to where you're going... You need to stay there for a good long time. And as we see, Herod is angry because the wise men, they decided to go home another route. Because remember, he said, when you go and find the child, what did he tell them to do? Come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. And the wise men were a little naive, even though they were wise men, which is kind of funny, right? Maybe a little ironic. And they're like, okay, yeah, sure. And then when they get there, they are also warned. Hey, don't go back to Herod. Go home a different way. And so they do. And we find out that Herod, he doesn't want to come and worship, right, with everybody else. He's concerned about his own power. He's concerned about his own influence. So he orders all of the male children under two to be killed in Bethlehem. And sometimes what we do is, in our minds, maybe in our hymns or, or in our celebrations, is we take all of the aspects of the story of Christmas. And what we do is, during the Christmas season, we kind of mash them all together. Have you ever noticed that? We mash them all together, like in the nativity set. Like, here's some, some wise men and stuff over here, along with the shepherds. The wise men weren't there that night. It took them years to get to where Jesus was. This is why Herod is having the children under a certain age dealt with because all of this takes place over a little bit of a period of time. But what we do is, is we compress the story together in some ways. Parts of it we, we leave out, some of it we put in, but we put it all together so we get a clear picture, a clear idea of what's going on that sacred night, what's, what's actually going on during this, this sacred season. And it, it serves in a way much like um, maybe an icon would be. Or, uh, On Easter, right, a few years ago, I don't know if some of you remember this, but many of you might. Over Easter, I brought an icon to the church of the resurrection. Does anybody remember that? And I brought it and I showed it to everybody. Were you here for that? Okay. Do you remember what was happening there? It was showing us a picture of the resurrection right and there's like a picture of jesus and he's standing there right and it's like his cloak is like blowing in the wind and he's got like adam in one hand he's got eve in the other hand and he's pulling them both up out of the grave and then down at his feet is satan kind of like on all fours right there's like this light shining around jesus like his glory is going everywhere it's showing us a bunch of things that are happening in the story of the resurrection It's using that as a teaching thing to show us one point, one place in time where we see all of this kind of together. And that's what we do during Christmas is we take all of the elements of the story, we put it all together to give everybody a clear picture, a clear view of what's going on, even though there's some time differences. Which is why we're coming back to part of that story today because we are still in the time of Christmas. That's why we sing about the 12 days of Christmas. But please, don't give me any. I appreciate all the gifts and, and the cards and everything, but please do not bring me calling birds or turtle doves. We don't want any pets. My kids, one of my kids is still in diapers. We don't need to clean up any more messes. Right? And what we see in this story is this great act of evil perpetrated against these children. And what we look at when we see this, we see injustice, number one. We see actual injustice. This is injustice. Okay? This is injustice. And it's tied in with the person and work of Jesus Christ, right? When confronted with the advent of Christ's incarnation, his true God from true God, right? But also true man. Truly human. When confronted with Christ's incarnation, evil immediately arises and it tries to eradicate the Christ child. Tries to eradicate him through indiscriminate killing. Now we have to remember what did Jesus say about children? He said to enter the kingdom of heaven, remember, the kids were kind to, to come to him, and the disciples were like, Get out of here, kid. And Jesus is like, what are you doing, dude? Like, the children, let the children come to me. Let the children come to me. He says, to enter the kingdom of God, you have to become like a child. Right? He says, let the children come to me. You have to, enter, you have to be like a child even to enter the kingdom. And the, the fate for those who would harm children, he says, it would be better if you tied a millstone around their neck and threw them into the sea. the killing of the children here, this is indicative of a great wickedness, a great evil, something, a a lesson that our current culture should not forget. But the reason why this is celebrated this time of year, brothers and sisters, is because like St. Stephen, earlier in, in the first martyr, right, which we see in the book of Acts, they are considered martyrs for Christ. They are considered with Stephen, the first, one of the first martyrs. Well, Stephen is considered the first martyr of the church, but these children are also considered to be martyrs. And what we have here is a, this picture of injustice, this picture of evil immediately trying to, to rise up and stifle the work of God, right? The birth of this king. Right, The son of God and son of man. Evil immediately tries to get up and to to make sure that none of this will happen. Because evil does not understand the plan of God. And here's the thing. Do you think that Satan and the demons, do you think that they actually believe that they can fight and win against God? No. They know they can't. The devil doesn't believe he he can defeat God. God is above and beyond all things. Evil knows it can't defeat God. So what does evil do? Evil attacks his children. Evil attacks us. We had this reading from Revelation, I was just thinking about this right now, there's this imagery right in the book of Revelation where we see the woman in heaven giving birth, right, and we see this dragon chasing her. And we know the church has taught throughout the years that this woman is both a picture of of the Virgin Mary and it's also a picture of Israel, right, and we see the dragon kind of sitting there waiting, right, for, for the birth. And then the the child and the offspring, the woman being be spirited away, thwarting the plans of the dragon. And so what the dragon does is then he goes and he fights against other people, because that's all evil can do. Evil cannot thwart the plan of God or stop the plan of God. All evil can do is attack those whom God loves. Evil can only can't knows it can't triumph, right? So evil attacks what God loves as we see in the reading from this morning in the lives especially of children. God's kingdom though will not be stopped. So all evil can do is try at best to delay. But there is nothing that is done that evil can do that can stop God's plan. And God will make all things work out according to his own purposes. And so, let us remember this morning, brothers and sisters, some of the first martyrs of the church, the holy innocents who gave their lives for Jesus Christ. Whose reward, as we heard in Revelation, whose reward is heaven? Remember we talked about in Jeremiah a little bit earlier about the children being called back, about how the children will be called back to Israel out of exile? What do you think death is for human beings? Right now, for us, it is exile. For us, death is the separation of our soul from our body. As we await the resurrection, as we await the new Jerusalem, as we await the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Right? Our, our, our goal, right, everything that we're hoping for as Christians, is not uh, a disembodied existence in heaven, right, sitting on a fluffy cloud like playing a harp and just kind of chilling out and, you know, Doing God knows what, right? That's not what any of this is about. Heaven is a temporary place, right? We, we are in the rest of Christ, in the peace of Christ, until the resurrection of the dead. That is what we believe as Christians, is that he will return, and bring those who have departed with him. And so we see we might not see until the end of time the injustice of what happened to the holy innocents in Bethlehem. We won't see that injustice made right possibly until the end of time. Well, actually, no. I think we do see, I think we do see the injustice dealt with. Because think about it. What happens to Herod a little while after this? Right? He's got the parade, and he gives a really good speech, and some of the people are like, the voice of a God and not a man. The voice of a God and not a man. And Herod's like, yeah, I really do sound like a God. And God's like, yeah, that's not a good thing. You don't. And Herod, Herod dies. It's, he gets some type of infection and, and the worms get him, right? We know the story. So injustice is dealt with in part now. But those holy innocents whose death is an example to us will also be made right in the age to come. And that all the children lost through violence, all the people lost through injustice, either done in, in utero or outside of, the, outside of the womb, right? All of the injustice done to all children, all the injustice done to all people, will be dealt with and will be judged by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom is due all glory together with his Father who is from everlasting, and is all holy good and life-creating spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast for Zion Stone Church. I'm Reverend Mike Lantzman, and I'd like to extend to you an invitation. If you're ever in our area, to please worship with us Sunday mornings at 1015. If you'd like to get a hold of me, or would like some information about the church, or just have some questions, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page or via email. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.